Well, hello, and a very warm welcome to the Adrian and Joe Show, the regular podcast discussing issues related to business analysis, architecture, change, and many, many other topics besides. As you will remember from season one, it's raw, in it's unedited, and it's time-boxed. Time-boxed at just 24 short minutes. And when we say time-boxed, we really mean that quite literally. Uh, Joe is winding up a 24-minute bell, and when the bell chimes, the episode will stop. And when we say it's raw and largely unedited, uh, that means there probably will be a few bloopers along the way. Um, I personally like to think of this as part of the unique charm of the show, part of its perfect imperfections. But if nothing else, it keeps us on our toes. So I'm Adrian Reed, and I'm here with fellow BA enthusiast Joe Newbert. Yes, you are. Here I am. Hello, Adrian. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And and Joe, we have a fantastic guest today, a proper thought leader, and I would say celebrity. Well, in my eyes, at least. <laughs> ah, isn't he just? Yeah, and not just a practitioner and thought leader in business analysis, but also in product management too, amongst other things. And today we're taking another step forward in line with our sort of motto, our vibe of what's next. We're going to be talking about BizOps. Yeah, I'm fascinated by this topic. It's one that I've heard about recently and I suspect we'll be hearing more and more about. Yeah, yeah. I think we're going to be hearing plenty about this as, as we move forward. So with this topic in mind, let's welcome Kevin Brennan. Kevin is known for many things in the BA and product management community. He was instrumental, of course, in the creation of the business analysis body of knowledge, the BA BOC guide, right up until version three. And I think he's undertaken almost every role that they had on offer over there at the IIBA in Toronto. Um, he's also an international speaker. He's a consultant and many other things beside. Um, let's waste no more time. Kevin, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Joe. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, really nice to talk to you and Adrian again. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for joining us, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, no, no, thanks. It's super to have you on here, Kevin. And I, I'm, I'm so excited about this topic tonight. It's, it's this sort of, sort of futuristic change prediction stuff that I enjoy. And um, I, I enjoy change a lot, which I suppose is why I find myself in this profession, but change is happening, right? It's like happening right in front of our eyes. And I almost feel like the topic of change itself seems to be on the up and up. Work is changing, our roles are evolving, technology is happening. Every facet of what we do seems to be on some trajectory towards becoming something else. And, and I'm left wondering, what impacts do you see going on in the organizations around us, Kevin? Well, I think what we're seeing is a big disruption coming out of technology and technology sector. I mean, everybody's talking about digital disruption right now, you know, about what it means to go digital, how organizations go digital, what is a digital business analyst or digital product project manager or product manager. And I think what we're seeing is that the technology basis of how organizations run is changing dramatically. You know, back 
in those days many years ago, uh, more than I like to think about. But, you know, what I, even when I came into the workforce in the 1990s, right, most of the big companies like the banks and other people, they were hiring business analysts because they built most of their stuff in-house. They went out, you know, they might, they couldn't go out and actually just buy software they needed or sure. God forbid, sign up for it. Right. You had to, yeah. you know, there was no generic mortgage software, no generic banking software. So everybody built their own or smaller companies kind of got by with spreadsheets and email for the most part. Today we're in a world where a lot of company backends be run on SaaS platforms where you never need to install anything. Um, a lot of standard business operations are now running on purchase software. And the need for in-house developed custom software is going down and down. And where it exists, it is usually customer facing software now. So instead of building stuff in the back end, companies are taking existing backend pieces or applications, tying them together and presenting a unified front end to the customer. And that radically changes the kind of work that business analysts have had to do in the past. Um, also coming into change that is the specter of automation and AI. And there's a book I read, which I would recommend for BAs on this subject. It's called Prediction Machines. And in that book, the point they make is that AI is useful in situations where people kind of do repeatable things, but it's too complex to actually set out a set of business rules for it. And that's going to affect how we work as professionals, because one of the things that AI and machine learning will be able to do and people are working on having it do is a lot of the work that a project manager does today. The building a schedule, checking in for teams to see how they're doing, status follow-ups. This is all the, the exact kind of repeatable work that AI can tackle. So I would expect in, you know, by 10 years from now for our professions to look radically different. That, that, there's a lot of um, bold prediction in there, but yeah, I mean, somebody who grew up or started out in the 1990s too, I can certainly resonate with what you've said there. I mean, the, the, the journey that we've been through as sort of business analysts, professionals and project managers and product managers and change managers during that time, it, it really did start out as a world of bespoke, didn't it? You know, custom built software designed to solve problems. And then as those problems, people realized that perhaps they're a bit generic and we can put down some industry solutions the, the role certainly did change, didn't it? You know, sort of perhaps lifting up into much more process, much more rules-based. But this advent of AI is, is going to be quite something, I think, isn't it? And that's a bold prediction that, you you know, saying that, you know, the, the routine fundamental aspects of roles are just going to be replaced with automation and not necessarily intelligent automation at this stage. I hear what you're saying with the rules and, and, and that, that stuff will, will evolve as it evolves. But less project managers, do, do you see any other demand for any other roles uh, diminishing due to this new new world? Well, you know, the project managers one, yeah, it is a bold prediction, but I've even seen PMI state that they expect about 70% of product, project management activities to be automated by 2030. Uh, in the business analysis space, the kind of thing that I could see this applying to is imagine elicitation sessions. 
They can now be captured on video by a thing that every, every BA has in their pocket. Today, you can already have them transcribed largely by automation. Um, and you can have a person correct that for a fairly low cost if you need to. So you can have a complete record of what happened in your elicitation sessions. Now, how much of a stretch is it from there to think that software might be able to walk people through mapping a business process, right? Step by step, asking them what happens here, what about this situation, doing some basic level reasoning about things that happen elsewhere in the process, especially if you can mind that process. So I think we might see some of those activities go away. What isn't automatable, what isn't reproducible, is the kind of is creative work, creative thoughts um, coming up. So the software can tell you what the process is potentially. We're not there yet, but it could get there. But it couldn't tell you what the process should be. Right. And that's where right. that's the kind of thing that I think BAs who want to remain relevant are going to have to focus on. It's about how do I add value to this process and not simply capture information from stakeholders. And, you know, I know both you guys have never been that kind of BA. Right. And right. Lot, best BAs have never been that. But I think there are a lot of people who spend a lot of their time and energy on that kind of work. Mm. That's really interesting, Kevin. And as you were as you were talking there, I was thinking about how some projects and programs, you know, I, I mean that those sort of typical programs where there's a an inverted commas legacy system that's written in some old code code base that nobody understands. It's gone out of support, and 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 essentially what happens is it gets migrated badly onto a new legacy platform because nobody actually innovates. And, and you know, you've got the perfect opportunity there to, to, to innovate and, and, and understand your data and so on. So, so um, that's really interesting with this, with this automation, with us needing that cr creative thinking, um, asking those, those, those tricky questions. So what, what does this next transition hold for BAs? So, I know that in the industry, there's a lot of debate about generalization, specialization, or hybrid combinations. Do you think we're going to specialize more in bits of the business analysis lifecycle, or, or, or will we be generalists? Um, to be honest, I think that this kind of situation will create some new specializations, and I can't yet tell you what those will be. But I think the big pressure on most professionals is to become more generalist, mm. because as you cut out the need for, you know, 50, 60, 70% of the routine work that people do, what's left is, in principle, one part-time job, right, that you can, like, say you're a project manager and you're no longer doing all, all that scheduling and reporting and stuff, well, what's left? And a lot of that will look like business analysis. And so I think the, the long-term trend for business analysis and project management is, move towards a merger, um, and even, even greater than has been there in the past. And the individual coming out of that will be responsible for actually res getting the business results, not managing the project to a set of deliverables, which has been the historical mindset behind project management. In many ways, I think BAs may find the role more comfortable for them if they're the kind of people who are also comfortable being on the spot for the outcomes, right? But it will be much more like a BA than it will be like a traditional P historical PM. So it's about that, that actually driving the outcomes. So not just the on time, 
on scope, on budget. It's also, is it on benefit? Is it on strategy? And actually having someone on the hook for those things then, Kevin, that, that's the sort yes. of specialization. Precis yeah, precisely, Adrian. And, you know, just to put in a plug for you, this is the, one of the areas that you have a heavy interest in and have specialized in, right? What mm -hmm. we today would call pre-project work. Yeah. Looking for opportunities, looking for places where benefits can be delivered. Mm. That is a skill set that is still very much going to be needed. Mm. Yeah, this uh, you, there was music to my ears in there when you said, you know, the future is generalist. I, I have been stubbornly staying a generalist for years in the belief that I didn't want to go down any particular industry or technology hole. And, and I must say, I, I feel... I feel perhaps better for it. I certainly enjoy this this combination of business analysis, project management, and change management. Uh, you know, and, and perhaps that's why the words business change are ones that I use frequently because that that's what I feel the job is. Um, but this is such a, a difficult area, and, and as you said, you know, you can't tell necessarily what's next because there's all this talk all the time of jobs that exist today that won't exist tomorrow and the, and the jobs our kids will have in the future don't even exist today. Uh, you know, we, we just can't get a grip of it. We've got no idea what the world's going to look like really, do we? I mean, wouldn't it be wonderful if we had a crystal ball, but to steal Adrian's words there of being on the hook, I sort of want to put you on the hook of this one a little bit, because I, I think it's, it's definitely worth talking about. Can, can you describe what somebody working in BizOps will do and perhaps to give what they do some context, maybe talk about the sort of stuff that they won't do as well. Um, sure. And I can say that, you know, in many respects, I've been doing BizOps work for a number of years now without actually calling it that. So the key for a BizOps group, and by the way, these are groups that do exist in a number of companies today. This is not a concept that I made up all by myself out of thin air. But what they do is that they are targeted with achieving uh, part of the company's strategic vision. So these are groups that will take a look at the business. They'll be told, okay, our goal for this year is to get to... I don't know, say a 6% growth or 20% growth, whatever it happens to be. Um, since a lot of these companies exist in startups, it might be 200% growth, right? And what they would then do is go out into the business and potentially even into customers, although that's more product management, but look for those big opportunities to find growth. For instance, um, one project I worked on a number of years ago was with a big Canadian bank. And there, the target of the project was to enable them to, to deal with four times the volume of fraud that they were currently seeing with the same staff because they predicted that to be the rate of growth in cyber fraud over the next few years. And to do, so you have to go out, you have to actually see what's preventing that kind of blockage. And from there, you start off with looking at projects to bring in the capabilities the business needs to actually do that thing. So, you know, so first we're talking about pre-project analysis, as Adrian referred to it, right? The what, what are we doing? Why are we doing it? What's the goal? Nailing that down and looking for an, a concrete opportunity in the way the business works, right? In the processes or in the customer interfaces or wherever to actually realize that result. Then 
you need people you need to be able to broadly look at the options out there for a solution is this something that's worth custom building in-house or is it you know a matter of finding and adopting an industry standard and then acquiring or building the components necessary to make that a reality so you know in the case i was talking about it could involve things like moving off the many legacy systems they used to get them on a consistent platform to reduce handoffs and you know friction between groups and simplify their processes so that the people could work on only the key items it might mean bringing in things like machine learning and ai to actually automate pieces of that work right and find cases that fit certain patterns so it really is a problem solving role as opposed to the traditional kind of role which focuses in on you know a piece of the puzzle right business analysts do requirements they do this chunk of it project managers do this chunk business process people do this chunk organizational design does this chunk a biz ops is about doing all of those things and you asked about what they won't do and i think it's important to be say that i don't think we will see these professionals involved in some of the subject areas that are consistent across industries. So you don't need somebody who isn't a finance expert to walk into your finance department and say, oh, we can speed that up. That's not necessary. We'll cut that. Oh, wait, why are we being audited by the government now? Right? Right. You know, like there's area finance, HR, there's a lot of these compliance areas where I don't see BizOps people as coming into it. There are areas that if things are done consistently across the industry, you know, it's just about adopting industry best practice, I think you'll find that being either outsourced or you know, using SaaS engines or being standardized in other ways. In short, it's not about slow improvement. BizOps people are going to be about people who can make major strategic change. It's, this is this is fascinating, and I mean, we're talking about a potential here, and probably trying to pick threads of evidence that we've seen, and and see how that you know bundles together into maybe some truth. And as you're talking here, I've got I've got a lot running through my mind, and I'm going to bundle a couple of questions into one, just so I can perhaps be um, a little more contained. But one you talked about, you you're saying that you, you've seen this before. You, this is not something that you've created. There's existing groups. It, it it's inside companies today, and I'm wondering what those co companies have in common, especially I'm wondering if they're all perhaps good examples of, of having business agility. So that's sort of the one half of the question. And the other half is, if I think about DevOps, and I think about DevOps straddling IT and the business, that makes me consider whether BizOps straddles the business and let's say the market slash customer. So... And I'm hearing a lot of technology change in, in, in your description of this, but I, I'm wondering if it sort of balances internal and external and gets into the line of sight with the customer, perhaps. I think it can in some cases. So let me take kind of a step back and talk about where all of this came from. Uh, for a couple of years now, I've been struggling to define what it is I did exactly and what the kind of value I try to deliver in projects I work on, given that my roles my, and my engagements look very different from one another. That, you know, I went from 
running a association of libraries, you know, National Association of Library Associations, you know, and my next project was this fraud thing I talked about earlier, right? That's a big transition, but they had something in common. That something was the need to build out new capabilities or, or functions in a business very rapidly. And, you know, while I was doing all that, one day I decided, oh, hey, um, we have this thing called DevOps, right, which speeds up the connection between development, operations, and flows technology change out into production as rapidly as possible, works on speeding that up, right, to create a feedback loop between the business and the technology and the market. I wonder what I wonder if anybody's talking about BizOps and what that would be. And I Googled it and I found a few hits and I started reading them, you know, and they said it was essentially like product management for your business model. They described okay. what it did. It's like, oh yeah, that's what I do. And that's wow. where and that's where I started using the term BizOps is that realization that it really was about developing and building out the business model of a company. And the places where it's common today are particularly in tech companies, startups, and I think in smaller businesses as well, where, you know, a lot of our professional breakdowns and structures are common in large organizations that can afford to have people specializing in different areas. But these companies want generalists. They need generalists because A, they can't afford to put people on staff to just do one job and one job alone and hand it off to other people, right? They need somebody who's going to get the results because they're under a lot of pressure to grow and grow rapidly and they need stuff to happen rapidly. And the smaller companies, you know, a small firm with 50 people or whatever, you're not going to hire a business manager and a business analyst and a process manager and, you know, take add like 20% overhead just to get a project done, you're going to look for somebody who can do that across the board. And those are the environments in which I'm seeing BizOps today. But like a lot of things, I expect that as this grows and is seen to be successful in these kinds of organizations, other ones will start to pick it up. That's really interesting, Kevin. And, and I mean, I mean, so many directions my, my brain is going in now. Um, but but one, one thing that immediately springs to mind is, is well, what, what, what type of framework or tools will be needed? So, you know, will this, will this simply be a, a consolidation of the, the available tools from the various roles that we've, we've talked about? Or, or do you see that there, there'll be new refined tools, techniques and frameworks taking the stage? Um, I think the latter, but I don't know what they are yet. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, because, and that's just because uh, a lot of it is going to start with stuff that's already out there, right? Um, yeah. People in organizational design and business process management and project management and business analysis and other disciplines, change management, have tools that work for them <laughs> and, you know, have been proven to be more or less successful in certain areas. You know, yes, we see change of agile coming in and all that, but we have stuff that works. So I would, I would think that the starting place is to go to stuff that's been shown to work. And that's certainly what I try to do. But as these things come together more and more, I think that the cross-pollination will, of necessity, result in the creation of new tools and new frameworks and new approaches. I think that's you really know? exciting. I think, I think so often the really interesting innovation, in my opinion at least, comes from the blending, the blurring of yeah. the 
the sort of intersections between different disciplines. Yeah, no, yeah, it's I a mean, sweet spot. Right. One of the ones that I've been working on for a number of years, it, you know, and 90% of it, you can, you can figure out from familiarity uh, with what's already, oops, we're running out of time. But for <laughs> instance, agile software development and continuous business process improvement, lean and six Sigma fundamentally work on similar principles. And so I think companies will start to merge those two together. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, Kevin, time really has uh, has been against us with this. So much more that we could talk about, and and with that in mind, what further sources, of, uh, what further sources of information about BizOps and related topics are there? Where where can we find out more? Well, it's still in an early stage of development, and there isn't a lot published about it yet. Um, I'm trying to start writing about it, you know, on places like LinkedIn, just because I found that big gap. If you're trying to learn more now, my, my biggest suggestion to people who might be listening to this is go out and go to these other disciplines that you see around you, whatever you are, if you're a BA, PM, doesn't matter. Go look at what people in BPM, product management, um, process management, change management, go look at their stuff and start looking for things that you can take and adapt and use in your situation. And that, you know, because we are talking about a hybrid role that crosses a lot of those areas, and that should be the starting place, is to adapt what is already known to work. Fantastic, fantastic. And again, if people are listening, I'd highly recommend looking at Kevin's LinkedIn article, because that, that was a real eye-opener for me and a very, very good uh, very, very good read. So fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, Kevin. If people want to stay in touch with you, as I'm sure they will, uh, how can they connect with you? So your blog or LinkedIn or Twitter? Well, yeah. So the easiest ways are, you know, there's my email, kevin at newba.com. Um, you can also get in touch with me at LinkedIn um, or on Twitter, where I tweet under the, the uh, uh, under BA kept Kevin, uh, at BA Kevin, but be warned, you may see the occasional Star Wars nerdery or other things <laughs> on there as well. I think that's a bonus. That's a bonus, Kevin. <laughs> that's just a bonus. Okay, that's, that's awesome. We're, we're going to leave all of that in the show notes where people are able to carry on the conversation too. So I think that this is a, a starting point for more talk, as we've heard BizOps is in its infancy, if not younger. And um, so if anybody's got any ideas around this, has any questions, please do drop those comments on the episode page. Which just leaves me with the only thing left to say, which is a massive thank you to Kevin for joining us on the pod and to all of you for listening in. So thank you for tuning in. We appreciate your support as always. And as a keen supporter of the pod, please do help our future look bright by subscribing on your pod player of choice, be it iTunes, Google or Spotify and click on that five star rating too for good measure please. And of course you can keep the riff going by leaving your comments over on the blog at 168.fm. That's the words 16 and 8 not the numbers. We'd love to hear what you think about the future of our work and how you're going to make an impact. Kevin, Adrian and I will join you over there. Until then keep growing.